Isaiah chapter 63, there are two passages I'd like to bring to you this morning, Isaiah chapter 63, and I'll read a single verse out of Isaiah 63, and then Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It's really uh, kind of a unique, somewhat of a rhetorical question that the prophet asked in the 63rd chapter of Isaiah. He asked this question, he says, who is this that cometh from Eden? Edom. Who is this that cometh from Edom? with dyed garments from Bozrah. This, he said, that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. And then he says, I speak in righteousness, mighty to save. I am so thankful to God that we have a Savior. Amen. Amen. We're trusting for God to have his way today. I don't want to have church as normal. It's hot in here, but we need a move of God. Amen. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God. And notice what it designates our Lord as. The appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we say that together this morning? Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Savior. In fact, maybe we want to personalize this message here this morning. Can you lift your hand and say, my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I want to preach about today. I want to preach about Jesus is my Savior. The Bible says in verse 14 at, uh, 213 of uh, 213 and 14 of Titus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I'm so thankful that Jesus, my Savior, came to redeem me from all iniquity. And all of those terrible, rotten, horrible, bad things that I did in life, that my Savior, my Savior took away it doesn't say some, but it says all my iniquity. It's gone. Why is it gone? Is it gone because you're religious? Is it gone because you're good? Is it gone, gone because you go to church? No. It's gone because you got a Savior named Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I want to lift him up this morning. Oh, hallelujah. I want to lift Jesus up this morning. I hope you'll help me together. Let's lift up Jesus this morning. Amen. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I don't want to preach this morning from the very simple yet powerful subject. Jesus is my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the spirit. Let there be an explosion, I pray. Let there be a Holy Ghost explosion, God, out of your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Isaiah's great question. He asked the question in the 63rd chapter of Isaiah. It is documented for us. He asked the very serious, simple, and powerful question. Who is this that's coming from e Edom? Edom, the Edomites, the enemy. Who is this? Uh, Isaiah has a, a prophetic vision, a view, and he looks off in the distance and coming out of the enemy's camp, 
coming out of Edom, coming out of the Edomites. He looks and he sees someone coming out of the enemy's camp. Says, who is this that is coming from Edom? Who, who is this? Who is this that's coming out of Edom that has blood-splattered garments? Who is this that's coming out of Edom with the blood and the gore of his enemies that he has just recently slaughtered? The prophet is speaking as none other than the man of God, the anointed one, the visionary, the watchman on the wall. He's looking. There's something in him when he looks at the landscape and he looks at contemporary times that are not all that he wants them to be. With a degree of disdain, he looks across the way and sees uh, heartache and brokenness and trouble and difficulty and challenge and adversity and all these things. And he, but he looks off in the distance and there's a sense of prophetic anticipation and even let's call it excitement. Because he looks that coming out of the enemy's camp, someone's coming out of the enemy's camp and the one that's coming out of the enemy's camp, his garments are drenched in blood. Something has taken place. He looks and is longing for God. He's asking the question, who is going to somehow or another deliver mankind from the madness that's in the world? And I wonder this morning how many can testify to the same exact thing. As we look across our world today, it is filled with madness. It is filled with craziness. It is filled with sin, sickness. It is filled with brokenness. It is filled with all kinds of mess. But like the prophet, I pray that somehow or another this Sunday morning that God would allow us to lift up our eyes and to get a view and a vision of what's coming out of the enemy's camp. I want someone in the church to know this morning that the enemy is not in control. I want somebody to know this morning that maybe feels like when you look at life and you look at culture and you look at the world and it feels like it's out of control and you maybe even look at your own life and say, I'm trying to make sense of it all. I want someone to know here this morning that coming out of the enemy's camp is a victor. Coming out of the enemy's camp is a God that's riding high upon the clouds. Coming out of the enemy's camp is one whose garments are drenched in blood because of the victories that he has won because of what he has accomplished and the vic victories and the enemy that has been vanquished and he has done all of these things on our behalf and we this morning who are part of the company of the redeemed have a right to lift up our heads and lift up our voices and say thank God there is hope there is hope on the horizon because somebody's coming out of the enemy's camp with victory and with blood and with strength, amen, and with deliverance. The prophet said, who is this that's coming out of Edom? His clothing is spattered red. Has he been treading grapes in the wine press? No. Is the redness that's on his garments as a result of making wine? No. Could the explanation be simple and reassuring? He's been taking vengeance on his enemies. He has been fighting. And it's very, very important for us to understand the fight that our God has been going through. The fight that our God has been going through, according to Isaiah, is a fight for redemption. 
The battle that our God has been waging is a fight for redemption and it's a fight for salvation. Who is it that's working with this God of ours? Whose help is he incurring? Who is he asking to come to his aid? Can I tell you this morning? Nobody and no one. Because he needs no help to do what it is that he does. Because he's a mighty God. And Isaiah says, I see him coming out of the enemy's camp. But when I see him, his garments drenched in blood. He hasn't done it with assistance. He has no armies by his side. He has no one else that's coming alongside of him and giving him the help uh, that some thinks he needs because he doesn't need any help because he's God and he's God alone all by himself and he has purchased redemption and salvation all by himself because he's a good God he's a great God he's a mighty God he's a powerful God and most importantly he is God my Savior oh clap your hands under the Lord praise God praise God praise God and the testimony of this scripture and of this God, it says that he is mighty to save. He is coming out of the enemy's camp. What is he coming to do? He is coming to save us. He is coming to rescue us. He is coming to ransom us from the enemy. He is coming to redeem us. He is coming to help us. He is coming to lift us up. I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you're facing, what challenge you're going through in life, right here and right now, I've got good news for you, and that good news is there's a God that's coming to your aid, and he's coming to your rescue. He is coming to save us. Us because that's what God does. What God does is he saves us. What God does is he comes to our rescue. What God does when we come to the very last strand of that hope and when we are hanging by a single simple thread that there is someone that's coming to our aid, that we are not hopeless this morning, that we have hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus is is my savior. Jesus is my my savior. He is my savior and I thank God for him. I'm here this morning not to impress you. I hope that you're not here this morning to impress anybody else. I hope we are all here corporately gathering together to lift our hands in praise and thanksgiving and a reminder to all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our lives that I've got a great God. His name's Jesus, and he's my Savior. He's my Savior. He's my Savior. I can't do it without him. Come on, folks. We can't do life without him. Life doesn't work without him. But I'm so thankful to God today that I've got a savior. Jesus is my savior. And I worship him today and I thank God for him. I can't live life without him. I need him. I need Jesus. I can't do it without him. The overall testimony of scripture as we go from the very book of Genesis itself through the book of Revelation. Isaiah 43 and 1 the prophet again says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Isn't it good to hear reassurance now and then? Fear not. He says, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I'm glad that God knows my name. 
He said this God that knows our name and knows us personally and knows us individually. He said this. He said, when you're going through life and he said, when you pass through the waters, God said, guess what? I'm not going to vacate you when it feels like the waters are going to overwhelm and flood you. He said, when you go through the waters, God said, I will be with thee. I'm thankful for that. He said, when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. I thank God for that. He said, when you, maybe it's not water. Maybe you're not going through the water. Maybe you're going through the fire. He said, when you walk through the fire, he said, it's going to be like you're covered in asbestos. He said, you're not going to be, you're not going to burn Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you go through the fires, he said, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Why will the waters not overtake us? Why will the fire not burn us? Because the prophet said, God says through the prophet, for I am the Lord thy God. That's why the waters won't overcome you, because he is the Lord your God. He is the Holy One of Israel. I feel like preaching a oneness message here this morning. I'm not, I don't need to be confused whether I pray to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost, because all three of these are one. He is the Holy, not three, of Israel. He is the Holy One of Israel. But it doesn't just say that. He says this to his people. He says, I am thy Savior. I am thy Savior. When you go through the water, it's not going to drown you. When you go through the fire, it's not going to burn you. No matter what you go through in life, he said, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it because you've got the Holy One that's walking with you. You've got the Holy One over you. You've got the Holy One that is your Savior. Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Same prophet in verse 11 says, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There is no other Savior beside our God, Jesus Christ. I have declared, he said, and I have saved. And I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. I want you to know something here this morning, that you are a witness of this one true and living God. And you know what you are? It is not just simply a theological witness. It is not simply and singularly a biblical witness. You are a personal witness that Jesus Christ saved you. That means everywhere you go, that means everything you do, that means every word that comes out of your mouth, that means the grand marquee that goes walking through Grand Rapids. When people look at your life, they look at someone that's been redeemed by Almighty God, that's been saved by so much. I am so thankful to God today that he has saved me from so much mess and sin and heartache. And we are witnesses to that simple fact that Jesus Christ has saved us. And I know many of the things that I'm saying here this morning are not revolutionary or revelatory to, all, to many of us. In fact, some of us, maybe, we've been around the church for decades. I am not here to bring you something new. I am here to remind you of something. And I hope to stir an appreciation in your heart of something that you already know to remind you of the fact that, Cindy, Jesus saves you. He is still working in your life. Eric, Eric, God saved you. Jesus is my Savior. He saved me once. Uh, he saved me again and again. This very morning he's saving me. And I thank him today because Jesus is my Savior. 
He is my Savior. 2 Samuel 22, David said his wonderful testimony, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Amen. Amen. The God of my rock. I wanted to call out Olivia for a moment. I don't know why her name just popped into my head. The God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my high tower. He, Paul Tribbett, is my refuge. He is my savior. He is my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will, the, David says, the writer says, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Why is he worthy to be praised? He's worthy to be praised because he saved me from so much. He is the God of my salvation. And I praise the Lord today because Jesus is my Savior. Every child of God at some point will know him like this. You will need him like this. You will be to a place in life where there is no other alternative. There is no other way out. There is one, only one recourse. There is only one way. And that way is Jesus. He is my Savior. Praise God. What a great God. What a great God. The same prophet in the 45th chapter says in 21, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, God says, the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. And he says, just in case you're wondering who I am, he says, I am a just God and a savior. There is none beside me. And then he tells all the people, he says, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. You're gonna to wanna to be in service tonight because we're gonna talk about this for a little bit tonight. But you know what? The whole world needs to know that there's a Savior. Trevor Duluth needs to know. The whole world needs to know that there is a Savior. All the way, he said, look unto me, all the ends of the earth. He said, look unto me and be ye saved. I got good news this morning that there is no one that's exempt from the possibility. I don't care how far they've gone. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care the number of sins they've committed. I don't care how feel, far they feel like they have gone. I don't care how hopeless they may feel. The church needs to rise to its tiptoes in this 21st century and say it doesn't matter where you've been because we've got a God that still specializes in saving. It, it, it's, it's not just what he does. It's who he is. A hopeless world needs to find a hope-filled God. And it's not because of the quality of who we are, the lack of quality of who we are. It's all contained singularly and specially within the nature of who God is. God doesn't just save because it's what he does. God saves because it's who he is. He is a savior and therefore he saves. He saves because he is a savior. It's what he does. It's what he does. Throughout the pages of this scripture, we find a giant oversized ship that floats over the waters of judgment, and God rescues the human race. It's deliverance from a demonic pharaoh. The Red Sea opens wide, and all of God's people, probably numbering in the millions, walk through on dry ground. Why? Because God saves. 
a tent of animal skins, a bronze sacrificial altar for substitutionary sacrifice, priests, sacrificial systems, the law of God. All of these things are showing us throughout the scripture over and over again that he is a God that saves. The Ark of the Covenant, as long as those priests and as long as the people were in right relationship with God, when they carried that Ark of the Covenant with those two welded angels and God made the promise in Exodus 23, God said that I will dwell between the cherubims. And as long as they were in right relationship with God, it didn't matter how overwhelming the odds were. It didn't matter how great the enemy was. If the enemy outnumbered them 10 to 1, as long as they had the Ark with them, as long as God was on their side, God was a God that would rise up on their behalf and save them over and over and over and over again. It's because God is Savior and he's my God. He's my Savior. He saves me over and over and over and over and over and over again. The people are being bitten by snakes and he says, create this brazen serpent and as long as you lift that serpent up, that brazen serpent up, anybody that looks to the serpent in a moment when they look to that serpent, the snake bite isn't going to be effective on them anymore. It was a type of the cross. It was a type of Jesus hanging up upon the cross and if he is lifted up from the earth, anybody that can get their eyes on Jesus, anybody that can be receptive of the blood of Jesus, I am so thankful today that there is redemptive hope that our God continues to save even today because he is a savior. Jesus is my savior. In fact, I'm gonna go a little further. I'm gonna say he is my hero. God is heroic. He is benevolent. He is helpful. God saves. Those who call upon the Lord, those who cry out to God, those who reach out to the Lord. I am preaching this morning about a God who saves. I'm preaching about a God who saves. And I'll go as far as to say this. He doesn't just save, but he saves over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I want to remind a child of God here this morning, Jesus didn't just save you. He continues to save you over. And you don't just get saved one time. You know what? You get saved again and again and again. Jesus continues to save us. Why is that? It's because it's who he is. It's what he does. Matthew 1 and 21 says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, Jesus. Jehoshua, it means Jehovah has become our salvation. Jesus is God who has become my savior. Everything in this Bible from the beginning of this Bible was looking forward to the day that Jesus was going to come. Everything after Calvary and the cross and Pentecost is looking back to the day that he came. Our forebears were looking forward to the redemption that was going to come in Jesus Christ. And all of us who are alive and well today, we look backward to the fact that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago to save us from our sins and we have been rescued, we have been redeemed, and we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is my Savior. 
I got a little video clip I want to show you here, and I just want to remind all of us here this morning, you know what? We can't save ourselves. You can try as hard as you want to try. You can be goody-goody. You can try. But you know what? You don't have the power to save yourself. I didn't have the power to save myself. As a sinner, you know what I spent a lot of time doing? I spent a lot of my life in regret as a sinner. I spent a lot of my life as a sinner, Travis, thinking if I could just do better, I'm, I'm going to clean my life up. I'm going to straighten my life up. I'm, I'm going to make my mom and dad proud. And guess what? Over and over again, I failed. Over and over and over again, I tried to make my life better, and I couldn't make it better until Jesus came. Amen. If you're frustrated, good. If you're out of options, I'm telling you, good. If you feel like you've tried everything else and it hasn't worked, good. Can I bring to you this morning none other than, drum roll please, Jesus Christ, my Savior. Oh, praise God. Praise God. If you've reached the end and you feel like there is no other hope, I've come to give you the hope. His name's Jesus. All right, let's go. Has anyone ever seen that before? I will quote to you. The person that showed up at this exhibit, that what you just witnessed was an art exhibit. And I'll quote what the man came when he saw the art exhibit. He said, no piece of art has ever emotionally affected me the way this robot arm piece has. It's programmed to try to contain the hydraulic, hydraulic fluid that's constantly leaking out and required to keep itself running. If too much escapes, it will die. So it desperately is trying to pull back that fluid to continue the fight for another day. He said, the guy that witnessed this, he said, the saddest part is they gave the robot the ability to do these happy dances to spectators. And in the beginning, there was, it was just a little bit of a slow leak and that, that hydraulic fluid would leak out slowly, but the, the robot had enough time that it, was it could do this happy dance. And the people would watch it and the robot would dance and the robot was so happy in the beginning. But over time, this exhibit went on for a number of years and toward the end of that exhibit, the hemorrhage that was coming out of that robot increased to a degree that it no longer had time to jump and dance and shout anymore. You get it? It was just trying to contain the hemorrhage the loss of fluid and uniquely the the creators of this art exhibit they colored it a blood red color and obviously the symbolism the metaphor is so tight it's so strong that here it is you know in the beginning it's just a little hemorrhage it's a little leak and and it's got the capacity to pull things within but after years and years of this hemorrhage and this leak, it just can't do it anymore. And now all it's doing is spending all of its waking moments trying to pull in the, the leak, trying to pull in the loss, trying to pull in the brokenness. And the guy basically said, he said, it's so dumb. He said, how in the world am I finding myself in tears as I'm looking at this, this art project, this, this robot? 
I think the reason why is because it resonates with the hearts of people. It resonates with the world that we live in. The world that we live in that's trying to just make things work. The, tri- the world that we're living in that's just putting band-aids on cancers. The world that we're living in that's trying just a little bit at a time if, oh, I can make my life better. And at the end of the day, I hate to tell you this, but that robot, ultimately, there wasn't enough hydraulic fluid to keep it going. And the robot came to a screeching halt and it died. And you know what? What I'm saying here today is that's where mankind is at. There is a hemorrhage in the world today. There is a brokenness in the world today. People are trying to fix themselves. Take me to a counselor. Take me to rehab. Take me here. Take me there. I'm trying. I'm hemorrhaging. And you know what? At the end of the day, all those things don't work. But what I have come to present to this world today is that there is a God that's named Jesus Christ uh, that can fix the hemorrhage, uh, that can heal the brokenness, uh, that can lift up the one that is down, uh, that can empower the weak, uh, that can take uh, what nothing else can do and can fix the hemorrhage. Uh, I thank God today that I've got a God named Jesus. He is my Savior. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He's my Savior. Praise God. We had our first trauma reboot this week. Praise God. First trauma reboot this week. Wonderful. We're going to talk through life circumstances. But what I know, and I'm so appreciative of Denny and Angie and what they're attempting to do here. Trauma reboot. People are broken. People have been through trauma. But let me tell you what the answer for trauma is. It's not just another program. What trauma reboot is going to offer is that Jesus Christ can do for you what nothing else can do for you. Oh, hallelujah. The brokenness that's in mankind. Guess what? Jesus Christ can fix the brokenness that's in mankind. Young people that are broken. Young people that are hurting. I've come to lift up Jesus today. Come on, church. We've come to lift up Jesus today. The answer for our high schools. I've spent enough time talking about it, and I don't regret it. I've spent enough time talking about the problems of gender confusion that's in our schools. I've spent enough time thinking about the problem with the political landscape in America. I've spent enough time talking about the problems at the White House or the problems with the president. But can I tell you this morning, there is a solution to every one of those problems. It's not government. It's not corporate. It's not money. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all of the world's problems. Jesus is the one that can stop the hemorrhage. Jesus is the one that can fix the broken. Jesus is the one that can help the hopeless. We've come to give this world an answer, and it's in Jesus. Amen. When we sing songs, we better be singing songs about Jesus. He's the only hope of the church. He's the only hope of my life. He's the only hope that I have. It's Jesus. Jesus is Chez, my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. I want to talk to us about there are three aspects to being saved. A person can accurately say, I was saved. What does that mean? There was a day that Jesus came into my life and he, and he saved me. 
But it's not about just the fact that you were past, past tense saved. A true saint of God is always, also going to say, I am being saved. Because it's not enough. I know people that got saved and didn't stay saved. Mm. And it's not enough to get, because I need Jesus to have been my Savior, but I need Jesus, come on, young people, to continue to be my Savior today, right here, right now. He is my Savior now. And can I tell you this? I'm going to offend some of you, but I'm going to tell you, you aren't saved. You're not finally saved yet. You're in a process of being saved. Do you re- we don't, I don't have time to knock on the once saved, always saved doctrine, but we're not, we don't have unconditional eternal security. We are not saved until we make it through those pearly gates and we see Jesus Christ face to face. So one day we are going to be saved. So it's very, very accurate for a person to say, I was saved, I am being saved, and one day I will be saved. All right? Let's work on this a little bit. Three tenses of salvation. I was saved, I am saved, and I will be saved. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. I don't care what Hollywood promotes in their movies. Fornicators, he said, they're not going to be saved. Idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He said they're not going. So he said fornicators. The Greek word for that is porno. <laughs> Make sense? He said the pornos, they're not going. Sexually immoral person, porn on the phone, porn movies, playing around. He said, that's, he said those people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He said those that are given to idolatry, people who worship a God through material representations, people that worship all kinds of other things, he said they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He said adulterers, those that commit adultery, he said they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The word of God says, I didn't say that, the word of God says that. I think we need the pulpits of America to begin to preach what the word of God says, not popular opinion, thoughts, ideas, concepts, attitudes. What does the word say? The word says if you're doing this stuff, you're not going to heaven. That's what it said. I didn't say that. God's word said that. And I don't say that with any great smile. I don't have any, uh, you know, I'm not happy about, but it's the truth of the matter. And someone needs to start preaching the truth across the pulpits of America. You can't do this stuff and say, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. No, you're not. It's not what the word of God says. The Bible, the next word it uses is effeminate. The Greek word is malakos. This is a catamite. This is a boy prostitute, a passive partner in homosexual acts. He said, those that are effeminate, he said, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what this stupid, maniacal, crazy, diabolical doctrines of the world say, that all of that stuff, he said, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, those that are abusers of themselves with mankind. This is talking about the sodomite. This is talking about the perverts. This is talking about those that are practicing homosexual acts. I didn't say that. God's word said that. If somebody has a problem, they have a problem with the word of God, but that's what it says. He says, those that are thieving, the Greek word is kleptos. Ever heard of a klepto? Sound familiar? Stealing, a thief, a cheat. He said the covetous, 
The greedy person, a person who is excessively and modestly desirous of acquiring more and more and more, got to have more wealth, got to have it. Greedy, he said. He said they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He said the drunks are not going, the inebriated, the intoxicated, the drinker, the drunk, whether it's pills or whether it's shooting stuff in your vein. He said those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he said. I didn't say it. That's what the word of God says. He said revilers, slanders, people who attack the character and reputation of another, slander them and libel them. He says those that are verbally vicious, he said they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He said extortioners, these are those that are excessively greedy. They're vicious, they're violently greedy. Looks like the world that I live in today. They're destructively ferocious, they're ravenous, a violent swindler. They take away from others forcefully. He said these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I am not going to ask for a show of hands this morning because every hand in the building would go up. But if I were to ask, how many of you would throw your hands in the air and say, one of those things, Pastor, that you just read off in the Word of God, that's what I used to be. I haven't just come to talk about the problem, though, because Corinthians 6 and 11 says, and such were some of you. He said, that's what you used to be. You used to be a klepto. We got some former kleptos in the building. We've got some former adulterers in the building. We got some former fornicators. Come on, don't you give me that pious, that pious look. Who, me? I came out of the womb speaking in tongues. I've always talked right, spit white. Me? I've always been holy. I, I'm like Jesus. I came out of my mother's womb holy. I've always been perfect. I've, now, now, you may think that, but I just read through a list that contradicts otherwise. Guess what? We were all that to some degree or another. But the Bible says such were some of you. He said that's what you used to be. He said but you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God I went to the water in Jesus name I repented of my sins I got baptized in Jesus name I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in my life and I stopped being a kleptomaniac and I stopped my fornicating and the power of Jesus saved me amen from the tendencies that were in my life because Jesus is my savior I'm here today because God put my family together. God put my mind together. God put my heart together. God put it all together for me. When I had nothing left in my life and I was bleeding and there was nothing, I had a God. His name's Jesus. That's my Savior. And he saved me from my sins. He is my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. Let's love him this morning for a moment. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. All of this happened, and I was saved. I'm not going to repeat my spiritual birthday because I said it so much. Half of you probably know the date yourself. But you know, on that day that I was born again, Jesus took my sins away. My Savior changed my life. He changed everything about my life. And if you haven't had that experience on this Sunday morning, I want to invite someone. If you haven't had that experience, 
If you have not repented of your sins and you're like that, that robot that's just hemorrhaging and you're doing your best and we'll credit you for that. You're doing your best to get it together. You're doing your best to pull it all in. You're doing your best to do all that and you just feel like at the end of the day, I'm still falling short. Can I tell you, there's a Jesus that can make up the difference. Jesus is our savior. He's your savior. Jesus will be your savior. Jesus will help you. Jesus will come to your aid. Jesus will save you from your sins. Jesus will give you the power in your life that you need. Jesus will be your savior. In fact, I think oftentimes he'll let us get to that point that we realize fully and completely that we don't have the power in ourselves to save ourselves. And so that when he saves us, there's such an overwhelming sense of gratitude in our lives. Wow, I don't just come to church to come to church. I come to church to worship my savior, Jesus Christ. I live the way that I live because Jesus saved me and I love him. Jesus, somebody say he saved me. That's past tense, okay? I also want you to know this morning that you are in the process of being saved right now. Jesus is saving you right now. You say, well, Reverend, I have had the Holy Ghost for 43 years. Well, you know what? He's still saving you now. He's still saving you now. I want, to, I want to remind all of us, it is a present progressive process that never ends. I need Jesus to keep on saving me. You know what? I need Jesus as much today as I needed him 35 years ago, the very moment that conviction seized my soul and brought me to an altar and worked repentance in my heart. I need Jesus as much today as I needed him on that first day. Jesus is my savior. He's still saving me. In fact, I'll go this far. Now I'm a pastor, you know that, but do you realize that most of the New Testament emphasis in the Bible is on keeping the saved saved? <laughs> You're like, well, I thought it was a one and done. I got baptized. I got the Holy Ghost. Cool. I'm, I'm man, I can just sail right on through. This is one pastor that wishes it was worse. It worked that way. I'll tell you that right now. Well, in some ways, you would be very, it's hot in here this morning, but if you added about another 700 people in this building, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be standing like shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder Ethiopians. That's how they have church in Ethiopia. Shoulder-to-shoulder, -shoulder and it's hot, and it's full, and it's packed. Because if everybody, Paul Tribbett, in this church that got saved was still saved, it would be standing room only, and there'd be a line out the door, and we'd have speakers out in the parking lot if everybody that once got saved continued to be saved. That's why the New Testament is addressing saved people in a variety and myriad of ways. What is it doing? It is helping them. It is encouraging them to stay saved. Will you allow me to rise on this Sunday morning as your pastor and say, would you please stay saved? <laughs> Amen? Stay saved. Stay saved. Don't let nothing get into your little craw. Nothing's worth your salvation. There is no situation in your life that is worth you wadding it up and throwing it away and saying, I just quit. Your salvation is worth more than that. What are you preaching? I'm preaching. I'm preaching this morning. Stay saved. Don't just get saved. Stay saved. Because Jesus is still your Savior this morning, here today, right now. Jesus is still your Savior, present tense. I am in the process of being saved. Don't get unsaved.
<laughs> Act like you're saved. Live like you're saved. Fill your heart. This is a present salvation. Don't do unsaved stuff. Amen? First Peter 1, notice what it says. I love this scripture, and, and I could preach on a long time. I won't, but First Peter 1 and 4, notice what he says. To an inheritance. He's speaking to the church. Hey, listen, you got an inheritance. Any of you have a rich mom or dad or a rich, I want to ask you to raise your hands, a rich uncle? And when they pass off the scene, you're just, you're, you're going you're gonna to be in like Flynn. You're going to have zeros in your bank account with digits in front of them. It's called an inheritance. It's an inheritance. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says we have an inheritance that is incorrupt. We haven't got it yet, but it's waiting for us. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Neither rust nor moth is going to corrupt it. It's there forever. Your inheritance, it says, it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. I want somebody to be reminded here today. You have an inheritance in heaven. Bill, you haven't got it yet. You haven't got it yet. It's in heaven. It's waiting for you. And as long as you continue to live for God, that inheritance, it's going to be ours. That's why Peter said, the writer said, he said, who are kept, who are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Remember we're talking about salvation being saved? Unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You get it? There's a salvation that has not yet come for you. It's going to be like, that was a trumpet in case you're wondering. When the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and meet the Lord. When that time comes, when your time comes, there is an inheritance in heaven that's waiting for you. But it says until that time comes, you right now, you right now, you right now are being kept by the power of God. You know what he's saying? He's saying there's a keeping force that's in your life right now. That Jesus is continuing to, he's continuing to save you in the present, in the right now. It's not enough that you just got saved many, many. I got saved many years ago. I got baptized. I got the Holy Ghost. That's wonderful. We thank God for that. That's the ticket that got you into the kingdom. But guess what? There's still a present force working in your life. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. We are being kept by the power of God. Come on, saints. Somebody needs to stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that's inside of your heart. He's working on the inside. You got the Holy Ghost in you. That's why you got to stir yourself up because there's a keeping power in your life. There is a preservative in your life. You know what the preservative is? It's Jesus Christ that is keeping you. And I've got good news for your life. Jesus will keep you he won't just save you. He will keep you. Jude, single chapter of Jude, uh, verse number one and verse number 24. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, notice what it says, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you are being preserved right now. There are certain things in your refrigerator there are some things in your refrigerator, they are perishables. You know what that means? Those perishables mean if, that if you just leave them in there, I did it this morning. I, I had my single cup of cottage cheese. 
with many berries added within. I pulled out my raspberries. I pulled out my strawberries. I pulled out my blackberries. But when I pulled out my blackberries, somebody put them into a Ziploc bag. I have no idea why. But when we pulled them out, I I looked at them, and, and some of them had white fuzz on them. I pulled out a strawberry. It had white fuzz on it. It's perishing. There's other things in the refrigerator. They have, I don't know what all it is. I was going to say a chemical. I don't know if you call it a chemical, but there are, there are things that are put within it. In fact, you could even pull it out of your fridge. It's called preservatives. You pull it out of your fridge, and there's some little thing that's inside of that that's maintaining it, that's keeping it. It reminds me of Mike Tribbett. Mike Tribbett is something only Mike Tribbett would do. Mike Trivet went to, I think it was McDonald's or Burger King, and he went and bought a hamburger, and he bought that hamburger, and he opened up the packaging, and he set it up on top of his fridge. He wanted to see how long it would last without rotting. I think it was like a year and a half went by, and you pull it down, it looked like, still looked like a hamburger. That tells you they're putting something inside of that thing. You know what I'm saying? Something that I don't want to be eating, if you really want to know the truth. That's why I go to Culver's. What he's, he's saying, we're the preserved in Jesus Christ. Jesus has put something inside of us. In verse number 24, I got good news for somebody that's in the church. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Come on, somebody. Come on, square your shoulders up. Pick your head up. You don't have to fail God. Let me say it again. You don't have to backslide. Let me say it again. You don't have to fall away from the Lord. Let me say it again. You don't have to give in to your fleshly inclinations. Let me say it again. You don't have to become bitter. Let me say it again. You don't have to get so upset. You don't have to have something happen in your heart and your mind that drives you away from the throne of God. He said, now unto him, him, it's him, it's Jesus my Savior that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne of his glory. Let me tell you something. The God that saved you is the God that's powerful enough to keep you. The God that brought you in the church is powerful enough to keep you in the church. The God that gave you the Holy Ghost is the same God that wants you to keep the Holy Ghost in your life. He is going to keep on saving you. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm going to close with these few thoughts. Jesus is my Savior. What does that mean? Every day of my life, he's my Savior. Every single day, he's continuing to save me. What's he saving me from? Can I help us out here this morning? Let me tell you what he's saving you from. He's saving you from yourself. People talk about the devil. Devil is not my biggest concern. You know my biggest concern? This guy right here. Because devil can't take me out of the church. I said, the devil can't take me out of church. The only thing that can take me out of the church is me allowing the devil to take me out of the church. I am my own worst enemy. But can I tell you, Jesus will save you from yourself. If you seek the Lord and you got problems in your life that are trying to drag you away from God, if you'll seek God, this Jesus that saved you, he will continue to save you. He will keep you saved. He will keep you in the church. He will 
consistently refill you with his presence. When those inclinations uh, that are in your flesh want to lead you away from God. I've got good news today that there's a greater power that's working in you to keep leading you back to God. And if you'll tap into that through prayer and through righteousness and love for the word of God and principles of the word of God, Jesus will continue to save you from the inclinations that want to drive you away from God. Why? Because Jesus is still saving me every single day. The sins that would like to overcome my life, guess what? They've been vanquished by Jesus and Jesus continues to push them back. Unless, after 35 years of serving the Lord, I think it's me, I need to remind myself that all it would take is a couple weeks or a couple months without God in my life, maybe just a day, and I'd be right back where I was. But Jesus is continuing to save me. Jesus is continuing to save your marriage. 50% of marriages, they say, end in divorce. The enemy of relationships, what is it? Selfishness. Me, me, me. But oh, thank God today that Jesus saves me and helps me to be what I need to be. Jesus will correct me as a husband. Jesus will correct your spouse. <laughs> and let me just say this he does a better job than you do well I'll let him know well I'll let her know but oh Jesus does a good job as we reach out to Jesus he continues to save us let me tell you what else Jesus does Jesus saves our children I'm so thankful as we serve God Jesus is a God that will keep our children. He will save our children. Because I was saved, I am being saved. And one day, church, are you ready? I will be saved. If I keep living for God, he's going to bring me home someday. One day I'm going to walk streets of gold. I'm going to be in God's presence. I'm going to see him face to face the one who has saved me throughout all of this life, one day I'm going to look at him and he's going to save me from this doomed world and he's going to bring me into his world. And I thank God for that. Romans 8 and 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What are we groaning within ourselves about? Waiting for the adoption to wit or to understand the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. What is the hope? The hope is that one day this, this body is going to be redeemed. One day this great God, he is going to redeem me and he's going to bring me into his heaven. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You're not going to hell. You know that? If you're in the church and you're living for God, you're not going to hell. You have been delivered. You have been saved from hell. And one day, you're going to be in God's heaven because Jesus 
is my Savior. Stand together with me this morning.